Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Good morning, church family. It's good to be in God's house. I want to welcome you. I want to welcome those who are joining us online. I heard a story about a politician who had a complicated operation. Someone say complicated. complicated. And he woke up in a hospital bed, and after getting his bearings, he discovered that the curtains were drawn all around him. And so he turned to the nurse and he asked, why are the curtains closed? Is it night? No, replied the nurse. It's, it's just there's a fire in the building across the street and we didn't want you waking up and thinking that the operation was unsuccessful. <laughs> Some of you don't get it, but you will. When you go back and you listen to it, you're going to get it. You're going to get it by 3 o'clock in the morning. It's going to come down. Well, we're in a series that we're calling KISS. Keep it super simple. And notwithstanding complicated op- operations, we've been trying to uncomplicate our lives uh, we've chosen for a theme for our, uh, this series, John 3.30. He must increase, but I must decrease. He must increase, but I must decrease. That should be fairly simple to m- memorize, right, by now? Let's say it together. One, two, three. He must increase, and I must decrease. John uh, 3.30. Good one to memorize. And so far, we discussed how, in, in terms of simplifying, how and why to simplify the communication so that we can avoid conflicts, go to the person. <laughs> Here's a thought. Instead of talking about them, talk to them. Talk, take another person with you if you need to. And then if it's happening in the church, bring, you know, t- tell it to the leaders. We talked about how and why to elevate Christ above the culture and, and um, you know, and tradition, his words, and the fact that Jesus summed up the prophets uh, and the Ten Commandments to just basically saying, listen, if you want to, if you can't remember all the commandments and what the prophet says, it comes down to a simple love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. We can remember that, right? Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the law of love. Well, the t- title of this morning's message is equally as simple in terms of uh, the biblical solution, but it's the world tends to complicate it. And, and so the title of this morning's message is Success Made Simple. Success Made Simple. Now, if, we, if I went around and did a survey to everyone in this room and those who are listening online and asked how many want to live a successful life, I, I dare say most people will raise their hand. I mean, how many, would, how many want to live a successful life? Come on, somebody. Most of us would raise our hand. We want success. The problem is how we define success. How do you define success? And if you take your cues from the world and culture, you might define it totally differently than what the Bible says. The world says um, if you're materialistically based, it's based on the amount of money that you make or the amount of 
uh, funds you have in your bank account, the type of cars you drive, or, or the house you live in, the clothes you wear. The world, if, it, if it's not materialistic, they, they might drive toward the, uh, if you're a social media hound, you might measure it socialistically. That means in the, in, the, in the number of friends that you have or the number of likes you receive on your post or the amount of followers you can accumulate. Or what are they calling them today? Or if you are an influencer. That's a word. You're an influencer. And so, it, and, and, and if you, you know, get to that level where you influence a lot of people, you know, you might get invited to the, the, you know, the nicest parties or whatever. That's their definition of success. They've arrived. They've got 45,000 followers or, you know, whatever. If you're a politician, you, you, your idea of success might be the level of political power you can achieve or hold or, you know, reach like maybe a governor or a senator or a congressman or mayor or whatever. And in your mind, once you've reached that pinnacle, you are successful. Others define it more experientially. Like, you know, I asked someone, they said, it's, it's, for me, it's personal happiness. A feeling of contentment, like goal set and accomplished. That's when I feel I am successful. For others still, it's about their education, uh, the level that they can attain, an AA or BA or MBA or MBS or PhD or doctorate, uh, you know, and, and if they can climb that ladder, then they are successful. Or you may be completely altruistic in your approach and define it by the number of people you help or, or causes you support. Like the, we see on TV, the Shriners, you know, and, and you, I'm giving money to this cause or the American Cancer Society or I'm involved with something going on in Jamaica or whatever, and, 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 and because you give to so many things, you consider yourself successful. Well, materialistically or socialistically or politically or experientially or educationally, even altruistically, these are many of the ways that people define success. The question this morning is how, does, how do you define success, and more importantly, how does God define success? To the materialistic person, listen to me, I would say that God would say to that person, there are no U-Hauls in heaven. Now, I, I, I'm paraphrasing, but I'm looking at the scriptures where it says in Mark chapter 8, verse 36, it says, and what do, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul, is anything worth more than your soul? Jesus speaking. He's talking to the person who's got to play the lotto, who's got to, you know, I, I, I want to be a billionaire so freaking bad. Remember that song? And Jesus says, what does it matter if you gain the whole world, but in the end you lose your soul. He said it again in the parable to the rich man in Luke chapter 12, verse 16. Listen, he says, then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. And then he said, I know I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. Verse 19. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Verse 20. 
but God. So we say, but God. <laughs> but God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you work for? That's where the know you hauls in heaven comes from. You've amassed all this wealth. You're going to sit back and, and relax. And the word from heaven was, you're going to die tonight. Who's going to get all that you stored up? And then in verse 21, Jesus told us the point. He says, yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but, have not, but not have a rich relationship with God. So the issue isn't the wealth, it's the relationship. Come on, somebody. My pastor used to call it the get all you can, can all you get, sit on your can group, which is basically the American version of success. Think about it. That is the American dream. That is what the world tells us we should be striving for. But Jesus says, if you're living just for material stuff on this world, or the world has to offer to the neglect of your relationship with God, your Father, he's got a word for you. It might offend some people. He says, the Father says you're a fool. Didn't say it once, he said it twice. In other, in other words, you've aimed low and you've hit your target because you've lived for just the stuff that you can't take with you on this planet. Now, the question then becomes, well, how do you develop a rich relationship with God? And we're going to answer that question shortly. But to the materialistic person who's motivated by, you know, the level of power he can attain, I think he would say to them, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Again, I'm paraphrasing, but I'm going to look at the scriptures, and this is what it says in Mark chapter 9, verse 35. He says, he sat down, Jesus, called the 12 disciples over to him, and he said, whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. Wow, that's not advice you hear in many how-to books today. Nevertheless, Jesus said it. We find it again in Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 23, verse 11. Jesus said, the greatest among you, or the goat, the greatest of all times, the greatest among you must be a servant. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves be exalted. T turn to someone and say, God is watching. Come on, somebody. The question is, are you allowing... Are you allowing the Father to develop in you a servant's heart, or are you someone who is out to be served? You've aimed low, and you've hit your target. To those educational elites out there, we have many who put the emphasis on the letters at the end of their names, I think the Lord would say to you, love trumps knowledge. Again, 1 Corinthians 8, 1, he says, we know that we all possess knowledge, but what does knowledge do? It says, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. 
1 Corinthians 8, 2 says, anyone who claims to know all the answers, like some of our teenagers out there, they're not the only ones, doesn't really know very much. But the person who loves God is the one whom God recognizes. Come on, somebody. You've heard it said that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Listen, you may end up with all sorts of letters at the end of your name, MS, LS, LCSW, PhD, MD, and this or that. But again, my pastor used to say the one is that, that matters the most in the end is the letters B-A, born again. Amen. Jesus said you must be born again. He says no one will see the Father unless they're born again. And I'm not against letters at the end. I've got a couple at the end of mine as well. But if you're doing that to the neglect of a relationship with your father, you have aimed low and you'll hit your target. Now, knowledge puffs up means you become proud. And we know what the scripture says about pride, right? Pride comes before the fall and a haughty heart before destruction. And there are people today with all sorts of letters after their names who proclaim with confidence... You've heard them. There is no God. But our Bible says that the fool says in his heart, there is no God. And so if you get all these letters after your name and you've reached the pinnacle of what you call success and you've got PhDs and, and whatever, at the, the thing, and then you, your final conclusion is once you are puffed up with all your knowledge that there is no God, the Bible says, in fact, you have come backwards as far as God is concerned, and he calls you a fool. A highly educated idiot, if you will. To the socialites, and by socialites, I mean those who are what we call attention-seeking, because they want to influence as many people as possible and be in the limelight, the Bible would say to you, you are paid in full. Paid in full. Let me explain. Jesus describes a problem in the Gospels of Matthew and John. In Matthew, he says, everything they do is for show. On their arms, they wear extra-wide prayer boxes with Scripture verses inside. And they wear robes with extra long tassels. And they love to sit at the head of the table at banquets and in seats of honor in the synagogues. And they love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplace and to be called rabbi. And so what is he describing? He's describing a group of people who consider themselves religious. And in order for them to, for people to know how religious they were, if the, in the Jewish custom, it, it, you know, the scripture says to bind the word of God on your, on your hand and on your head. That's why you see in pictures little boxes on arms. And then they have these little prayer shawls or tassels. Well, the ones who really wanted to show themselves as super spiritual, they would go online to Amazon and they'd order the extra large boxes. 
and the extra long tassels so that when they paraded themselves before the people, everyone would look at them and say, oh, ah, look how spiritual they are. Listen, the message says it this way. Their lives are perpetual fashion shows, embroidered prayer shawls one day and flowery prayers the next. They love to sit at the head table at church dinners, basking in the most prominent positions, preening in the radiance of public flattery, receiving honorary degrees, and getting called doctor and reverend. But in John 12, it says, for they loved human praise more than the praise of God. And then the scripture tells us what the result of, uh, of taking this approach to success will eventually uh, uh, render these people. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 2, it says, So when you give to the needy and do, and do, and do not announce it, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. This, by the way, is advice to the altruistic as well and a challenge to us all. Are you doing things to be seen and applauded by men? or by the people around you. And if that's the case, listen to me, the scripture says, if, if your heart is just to catch the attention of other people and other people see you, the Bible says you have your reward in full. You will get your slow clap from the people around you. But he says, don't expect anything from me. He said, but if you want something from me, keep your, your giving in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Come on, somebody. And lastly, to the exper experientially motivated, you know, the, the, that success is about my personal feelings of happiness. The goal is that I'll achieve goals, and then if I achieve these goals, then I will be happy. He has something to say. Listen to me. To the experientially motivated, he says, it's not all about you. In Luke chapter 17, verse 33, the message, he says, if you grasp and cling to life on your terms, you will lose it. But if you let that life go, you'll get life on God's terms. Matthew 16, 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my followers, you must give up your own way, take up your cross. A cross is an instrument of sacrifice and do what? And follow him. Listen, if your total motivation or your definition of success is whether you feel happy and that's it, you have aimed low, and you don't understand what the Scripture says or the expectation of the Father. And so in a nutshell, these are all the ways the world defines success. But again, it may come as a surprise to some that the Bible defines success a whole lot different, and by the way, a whole lot simpler 
than all these different answers that we've heard. And do you think it's important to determine how God defines success? Considering we're all going to sit and meet our maker one day? I'd like to know what God or how God defines success. So I don't think it's just a good idea. I think it's a great idea to look to the scriptures to see what he says. And the first scripture we're going to look at is in 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 1. We're going back to, to set a scenario for you. King David has ruled for many years now, and he's now on his deathbed. And he's giving advice to his successor, Solomon, young man, and he's telling him exactly what needs to happen if he is going to find success. Let's see if you can pick up what he says in 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 1. When the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to Solomon, his son. I'm about to go the way of all the earth, he said. So be strong, act like a man. Oh, wow, I could preach on that just by itself. And observe what the Lord your God requires. And so he's saying, listen, I'm about to die. I'm giving you instructions. Be strong, act like a dude, and observe what the Lord your God requires. And now he's going to tell him what the Lord requires. Listen, walk in obedience to him and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and regulations as written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may, help me out somebody, prosper in some things. I just want to see if you're paying attention. Prosper in all you do and anybody interested in prospering in all you do and wherever you go? The New Living says it this way, I'm going where everyone on earth must someday go. Okay, let me just pause there just for a moment. He is going, and I love this, because some, as people approach, I, I visited this week two saints. Well, I called one on the phone, and I visited one, 95 years old. Queen Elizabeth, how old is she? 96. And these, these two saints love Jesus. And their number one concern was as they're approaching that day, they want their, not just, they want their children to know Jesus. They want their grandchildren to know Jesus. I'm sitting there talking with them. And just the confidence, and there's so many people who don't have that confidence as they're approaching death. They know another five years, they're not going to be here. Another three years, they're not going to be here. But because they put their trust in Jesus, you should hear the confidence that's coming from, from these people. And so when he says, I'm going where everyone on earth must go, not optional, because everyone on earth is going to die. I don't wish it on you, but this is the reality. It's called the 100% rule. 100% of us who are born, will die. And so to live your life like this is it, 
the word from heaven is, you're being foolish. And so David, understanding, because he had a relationship with the father, is now passing on this wisdom to his son, who's about to take over the throne. I'm going where everyone on earth must someday go. Take courage and be a man. Observe the requirements of the Lord your God and follow all his ways. Keep the decrees, commands, and regulations and laws written in the law of Moses so that you will be successful in all you do and wherever you go. Now listen to me. Anybody again want to be successful in all they do, wherever they go? I know I do. I do. What is the key to success? Before we just put our finger on that, I want us to go back a couple more years before David became king. And the king before David was who? Help me out, somebody. Saul. Saul, right? And we know that Saul was anointed king. And God gave him instructions that he expected him to to fulfill. And because Saul took God's instructions and he started to rationalize and justify it and compromise with it, he ran into problems with God. And God sent the prophet Samuel to him to let him know this. Because Saul said, you know what, I didn't do exactly what you said but what I did was I took the offerings and I, and I sacrificed them to you, burnt offerings to you, so God must be pleased. And God came around and said, no. Listen, 1 Samuel 15, verse 22, but Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your, help me out somebody, or your obedience to his voice. King Saul, listen to me. What is more pleasing to the Father? Your burnt sacrifices or doing what he says? He goes on to say, listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft. And stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Instead of doing what God asked him to do, Saul came up with his own plan. And where David found success and was able to pass down that knowledge to his son, Saul, coming up with his own plan, found rejection from the father and removal from his place of leadership. That's when it began. Well, someone would say, well, Pastor Rick, I mean, that's, that's Old Testament stuff. Is it? Well, let's... Let's shift over to the New Testament, see what the New Testament says. In James chapter 1, verse 22. But don't just listen to God's word. You must, help me out somebody. What? 
you must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling who? The pastor? Your mama? Your husband? Your wife? Are you fooling God? No. You are fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself and then you walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you've heard, then, help me out somebody, then God will bless you for doing it. Anybody want to be successful? Anybody want to be blessed by the Father? I know I do. Well, Pastor Rick, I mean, I mean that's James's opinion. Is it? Okay, let's look at Jesus. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Jesus speaking. Oh, snap. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. God has a, a will, and he has a plan for your life and for my life. And he says, it's not those who call out, Lord, Lord, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus says it's the ones who actually seek the will of the Father and does what he says. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, will we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Why, how did that get in the Bible? And so the question again remains, how does God define success? Who, who does he recognize and how do you become rich toward God? And I want to tell you, the simple key to success as far as God is concerned, it has nothing to do with uh, materialism or, or, or uh, uh, you know, how many likes you get on Instagram or, or whatever, how many letters you have at the back of your name. It doesn't even have to do with how it makes you feel. I'm successful if I feel happy. I'm unsuccessful if I don't. It's not about you. The definition of success, as far as God is concerned, is obedience to God and his word. Did I, did I make that up? Did it, didn't we just see that in the scripture? It's obedience to what he says and to what he's telling us. Do what he says. And that's why the apostle I mean, uh, John says, I must, I must decrease and he must increase because he understood that at the end of the day, it's not about me. My worship is not just about me. I, I worship if I feel like it. No, you should worship because he deserves your worship. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. If he does nothing else for you, he is still God. And he deserves our worship. The ones who are recognized by the Father are the ones who didn't aim low in their definition of success. They aimed high beyond the here and now 
and they lived their lives and committed their talents and their resources not just for the building of their own kingdom, but for the building of the kingdom of God. Come on, somebody. David says, I'm going to the place where all men are going. And folks, that is a word to every single one of us. We all have a date certain with our maker. And whether it's five years or 10 years or 50 years or 75 years or 95 like, like the, you know, the Queen of England, we are all going to get there. And when you get there, listen to me, as you're approaching your graduation day to stand before the Father, will it be as the man that I talked, to, talked about at the beginning you, because many of us will end up in a hospital somewhere where they have to draw the curtains on you so you don't think that you woke up in hell? Or while you are on this earth, your spiritual eyes finally are opening to the fact that you and I need a Savior Amen. and that we should live our lives in obedience to him. Jesus, even on the cross, the Bible says, obeyed even to death. He said, Lord, please take this cup from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. The way the Father measures success He says, did you do what I asked you to do? Did you submit your heart to Jesus when I sent him? Or are you still making excuses? Worse, you're doing what Saul did. You're saying, well, I don't have to do that. I've made a sacrifice. And my sacrifice is I put $5 in the offering plate. Or I volunteered doing this. Or I did that. And the word of the Lord to you is the same. Does God more delight in your sacrifice or in your obedience? It's in your obedience. Have you surrendered your life to Christ or are you still making excuses? Are you going to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant? Or are you going to hear, depart from me, I don't even know who you are. Because when you heard the voice of the Lord, you rejected it. Or you justified it, you rationalized it, you made excuses, and you lived a life more of compromise than of commitment to the Father. My heart is that no one that God brings through this ministry, I want you to have a super clear understanding of what God is requiring of you. I want to keep it super simple. Are you obedient? If you want success, you will listen to what the Father says 
and you won't let it go in one ear and out the other. You will do what it says, what he says. And that starts with your relationship with Jesus. Can you say with certainty, if God forbid something were to happen to you, you are going to go to the Father. And you'll be welcomed in. Does he even know you? He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son does not have the life. Do you have Jesus in your life? Have you repented of your sins? And don't take it lightly. Doing things your own way. Going your own path. And turn to the grace and the goodness of God and start walking toward him. And in that moment, you take up your cross and you follow him, understanding that he has a will and a plan. Pastor Rick, I'm so depressed. I didn't get the house. I didn't get the car. I didn't get the, into the college that I wanted to. Uh, the person that I want to marry doesn't want to marry me. Why don't you give God a clean slate? And here's the clean slate. Lord, whatever you want from my life, I will do it. Just let me know. And that might mean your agenda goes out the window. And now his plan is your plan. Pastor Rick, what if he tells me he wants me to be a missionary in Timbuktu? Don't worry. <laughs> Chances are he won't do that. <laughs> but he could. But listen to me. Whatever plan God has for you is going to be better than whatever plan you have for yourself. And you may choose to do your plan and climb the ladder of success and get all the way to the top of your building and find out at the end of the day you're on the wrong building. You were successful with your PhDs and whatever and your likes and whatever but that wasn't God's plan for you. And the only way to know God's plan for you is to humble yourself. Say, Lord, I put this before you but I give you permission Change it if you want to. Have your will. I had to do it. I was on a career path to become a nurse anesthetist because, honestly, they got paid coming right out of school. But I had to bring my plans before the Lord and says, that's, that's fine, but that's not what I called you to do. You have a choice. Because he ain't going to make you do it. You're either going to follow my plan or you're going to follow yours. Oh, by the way, I bless my plan. Yours might be on, <laughs> you might be on your own with yours. You understand what I'm saying? But it all starts with, have you surrendered your life to Jesus? And then it, it's not my will, Lord, but your will be done. So if you're here today and you've 
like I always say, I always want to give people an opportunity to keep it super simple in every area of their life. And this is probably the most important. If you want to be successful, the word you're looking for is obedience. Obey. I'm going to say it with me. Obey. Obey the master. That's it. In every area. And he's got things to say about how you conduct yourself with your marriage, with your relationships, with your business, with your finances, service in the church. The greatest among you, he says, is not going to be, you're not going to lord it over. He said, if you want to be great in my kingdom, you are going to develop a servant's heart. Are there areas of your life that you're not bringing under the obedience? Don't be a Saul. Be a David. David made his mistakes. And it's documented in the scripture. But all of his life, the Bible says he had a heart toward God. So when he made mistakes, it might have taken him a little while But instead of falling back into his sin, he would fall forward into the grace of God. Because God's grace is immeasurable. Amen? Amen. And he loves us immensely. And he wants to see us blessed. But I got to, Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying. And so as we come to a close, and those who are listening online, if you've not yet accepted Christ as your Savior, your Lord, that's your first act of obedience that guarantees entrance into the presence of the Father. It's acknowledging that you are a sinner and you need a Savior. Well, I'm not that bad. Well, you're already off track because the Bible says there's none good, not even one. And I am not the exception and neither are you. You are worse than you think you are. So am I. Before a holy God. You may compare favorably to the person next to you. Well, I'm not as bad as that guy or I'm not as bad as Hitler. But that's not how God measures. <laughs> he says all of us fall short of the glory of God. And the wages for sin, what we all deserve, he says it, is death. That's eternal separation from the Father. But he said, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Free through Jesus Christ our Lord. My first act of obedience is to acknowledge that I am a sinner and I need a Savior and that Jesus is my Savior. And I bow my knee to my Savior, my King of kings and my Lord of lords. And in that moment, my relationship with the Father starts and it opens up my spirit to communication with him. And he says, everyone who seeks me finds me if you seek me with help me out somebody all your heart I can fool my neighbors my friends I can fool sometimes I can look in the mirror and fool myself but the Bible says you're only fooling yourself but we're never fooling God But he loves us, and he wants relationship with us. And he's done all that he's going to do to pay for all of our sins 
But if we neglect that and just reject, you know, I got this, I got this, you will get just what you deserve. And if you live just for this stuff here, this stuff that's 100 years from now ain't going to be here, <laughs> you know, the bank accounts, they get all I can, can all I get, sit on all I can. It doesn't, God's not against wealth. He says, if you do all that and you're not rich toward me, he says, you're a fool. So you can do that. The, the issue isn't the money. It's the fact that you've made money at idol in your life without the relationship with Jesus. So let me not belabor that any longer. If that's you today and you, and you want to surrender your life to Jesus or commit your life to Jesus, today if you hear my voice, he says, don't harden your heart. Everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes. Say something like this from your, from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I hear you. I hear what your spirit is saying to me. I acknowledge my need for you. Forgive me for my sins. Come into my life. Come into my heart. From this day forward, I am committing myself to you. Help me to live an obedient and successful life in your eyes. Help me to keep it super simple. And when you say go, I go. And when you say stop, I stop. When you say be still, help me to be still. Help me to be someone who listens to what you have to say. Thank you for dying on the cross. Three days later, rising from the dead, from this day forward, I belong to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.